Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. We are in the final week of our series entitled Stretch, and and what we've said in this series is this, is that all of us have a measure of faith, that Scripture says that God gives us all a measure of faith. And whether your measure of faith is large or whether your measure of faith is small, that you have a measure of faith that you need to take and you need to take that measure of faith and you need to begin to stretch that measure of faith. You need to grow that measure of faith because God's got something greater in store for you. There's something he wants to do in you and through you. But in order to do those things, we've got to stretch. And so today I want us to close up this series. And what I want to do today is I want us to discover some patterns that can build your faith, because I think there's some patterns that you can develop that will build your faith, that will stretch your faith. But I also want us to be aware of some patterns that have the ability to kill our faith, to to destroy our faith, and to take the life out of us. You see, we are people of patterns. You are a person of patterns. I mean, you have relationship patterns and, and how healthy your relationships are are probably according to what kind of patterns that you've developed in those relationships. We have financial patterns. I mean, the way that you handle your finances, the way that you manage the money that you have been given is a pattern that you have developed in your life and the health or the unhealthiness of your finances is going to be according to the patterns that you have developed. We have health patterns, don't we? I mean, the health, the the condition of your health, the condition of your body is probably very much determined by the type of patterns that you've developed and the type of lifestyle that you've chosen to live according to your health. You see, we operate by patterns. Intentionally or by default, you have a pattern because we are people of patterns. Think about every morning when you wake up. I guarantee you, you have a pattern to your morning, don't you? Some of you are coffee first patterns. Like you, by default, walk in and hit a button on your coffee machine and you drink your cup of coffee. Some of you are brush your teeth first patterns. And you're like, you know what? As soon as you wake up, you brush your teeth in the morning. Some of you have to get your kids up in the morning. And so your pattern is as soon as that alarm goes off, you're, you're up into a room. And, and maybe you don't think about it as a pattern, but it's the thing that you do over and over and over again. How many people are snoozers in the morning? You know what I mean? Like you have a pattern of snoozing. Like my wife looks at me and she's like, why in the world do you set your snooze and you snooze it like three times? Now for all the iPhone users, you know, that's like 27 minutes, right? It's nine minutes a snooze, you know, and it's a pattern that you've created, you know, and it's like, instead of just actually getting 30 more minutes of good sleep, you've set a pattern. And so we are people of patterns, That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 verse 2 said these words to us. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That in this world, there are going to be patterns that you are going to develop because what? We are people of patterns. And so often the issue with our faith is not that we don't try hard enough or believe enough. Often the issue with our faith is that we've developed some unhealthy patterns, that we've actually conformed a little bit to the patterns of this world around us. And that's why Paul goes on and says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, allow the presence of God 
to begin to move inside of your life, that you begin to develop some new patterns, some new ways of thinking that will lead you to new ways of living. That when we get some new patterns, when we get some new ways of thinking, guess what's going to happen by default? You're going to begin to live differently. You're going to begin to do things differently. And so I believe there are some patterns that we need to create when it comes to our faith. Because the patterns you develop will determine your destiny. The patterns you develop will determine your destination. It'll determine where you end up. And so if you have relationship patterns, if they are unhealthy, then the destination you're going to get to in your relationships is going to be unhealthy places. If you have financial patterns that are unhealthy, then guess what? The destination you get to with your finances is going to be a place of unhealth. If you have work patterns where you don't have a good work ethic, then the patterns is going to lead you to a destination where you're not a great employee, that you're not moving up in there because you've developed some patterns. And the same is true about your faith. That if the patterns of faith that you have created in your life are unhealthy patterns of faith, or you've allowed the patterns of this world to begin to influence your thinking and your way of living, then the destination of your faith is not going to be at a healthy place. And so there are patterns that we can develop, and we could say it this way, there are patterns that you can develop that can kill our faith, that can destroy our faith, And then there are patterns that we can develop that will build up our faith, that will make faith stretch a little bit, that will grow our faith to a new level and to a new place. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that is found in Psalms chapter 73 this morning. And I want to give you two patterns that can kill your faith. And I want to give you two patterns today that will build your faith. And so here's what Psalms, the context of Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is not written by King David as much of the Psalms are. Psalm 73 is written by an individual by the name of Asaph. And Asaph is a worship leader in the temple. And so he's this appointed worship leader that that goes to the temple and he worships God. And Psalm 73 is one of the Psalms that he has written to worship God. And what I love about this Psalms is that it provides insight into the thinking, into the mindset of Asaph, and as he's beginning to process how he sees this life in the world. And so the first 14 verses of Psalm 73 are things that he's wrestling with, it's things that he feels about, about the world and the people that are around him. And then in verse 15, he's going to have an encounter with God. And in the middle of this psalm, he has an encounter and an experience with God. And then the rest of the psalm is how Asaph processed through the things he was wrestling with. And in this psalm, I believe we get two faith killers. And then I believe we get two faith builders. And so if you're taking notes this morning, let me give you the first faith killer. The first faith killer is this. It's focusing on things we can't control. Focusing on things we can't control. And we're all guilty of this, aren't we? We're all guilty of allowing our mind to begin to focus on things that you and I don't have the ability to control. And so the Bible tells us that Asaph is looking at the world 
He's looking at everything that's happening around him. And this is what he begins to think to himself. He begins to think, there are bad people in this world. There are people that are doing bad things, and yet these people that are doing bad things are receiving really good things. Like, it seems like the bad people are having good things happen to them. And Asaph's looking at the world, and he's going, you know what? I don't think that's fair. I don't think that the bad people should be having good things happening for them. Have you ever been there? Have you ever looked around the world? Have you ever looked at the people around you? Have you ever began to look at situations that are occurring and you began to think to yourself, you know what, there's a lot of injustice in this world. You begin to look at people and you think to yourself, you know, they're prospering and they shouldn't be prospering is what you're thinking to yourself. Good things are happening to them. And honestly, you feel like in your heart, bad things should be happening to them. You begin to begin to look at your own life and you say things like this. I'm doing the right things. I'm doing the things that God has asked me to do. I'm trying to honor God with my life. And it doesn't seem like any good is happening to me. And yet all these other people are doing whatever they want, whenever they want it. And it seems like they are prospering. This is the mindset of Asaph. He's saying, I, I, I don't understand this. Here's how he says it in Psalms 73. He says, for I envied, he's jealous, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. And here's my ACES mindset. He's like, I look at the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. He's, I mean, he's like exaggerating this. He's like, they have no burdens. They are, they are plagued by no human ills. He goes on in verse, uh, the next verse, and he says this in verse 12. He goes on and says this, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. The wicked are always carefree. And they go on amassing wealth. It just seems like they're getting richer and richer. What is Asaph doing? Asaph has allowed his mind, he's allowed himself to begin to focus on things he can't control. He can't control whether or not the wicked are prospering or not. He can't control whether or not they are sick or if they have good health in their bodies. And this is one of the things that you and I, if we're not careful with, will begin to kill our faith. It'll begin to suck the life out of us. When we begin to focus on things that you can't control, it will drain your faith. It will begin to suck the life out of you. When we begin to focus on things we can't control, what happens is we begin to live the game of comparison. And the game of comparison is a joy killer. It is a joy killer because what happens is you begin to compare your life to someone else's life and it begins to steal the joy right out from underneath you. We begin to compare the behind the scenes life of our life to the highlight reel of everyone else's life. Have you ever been there? You ever started scrolling through Facebook? And you begin to look at everything else that's going great for everyone else. And then you begin to look at the behind the scenes life. And you begin to think to yourself, this isn't fair. Why are they getting these blessings? Why is good things happening for them? And you begin to spend your time and your energy trying to control things that you have no ability to control in the first place. And when you play the comparison game, you begin to fail to see the blessings in your own life. Let me say that again. 
When you play the comparison game, you fail to see the blessings that God has currently given you in your own life. You fail to see that. And you begin to say things like this, God, why won't you do it for me? God, why don't you move in my life like you're moving in someone else's life? Why can't I have the same financial blessings that someone else is having? God, I'm doing the same things. That person, you begin to watch on Facebook and, and you're like, man, that person hasn't been to church in three weeks. That's because they've been on three vacations. God, why don't you give me some vacations? God, I'm doing everything to honor you. God, and what happens is you begin to compare your life to everyone else, and you begin to focus on the things that you have no ability to control at all. And you need to understand that the comparison game, this focusing on things that you cannot control, will begin to steal the faith out of your life. It'll begin to, to steal the joy away from you. And here's the problem. When we focus on things that we cannot control, you know what the problem is, is this, is that we're often comparing two different seasons of life. You need to understand this. That we get into this game and, and we begin to focus on things that we can't control. And we begin to compare two different seasons of life. You see, there's two different seasons. There's a harvest season and there's a planting season. And sometimes you are in a planting season, comparing your life in a planting season to someone else's harvest season. And you need to understand that there is a planting season and a harvest season. Now, I'm not much of a farmer. I didn't grow up on the farm. But I do understand this. If you don't plant something in the planting season, you're not going to ever get a harvest season. And many of us are sitting there comparing our lives, focused on things that we can't control, and we're upset with God, and, and we're like, man, God, why aren't you doing this for me? And the problem that you have is that you are in a planting season, and you're comparing your life to someone else's harvest season, and God's saying, I've got you in this season. If you'll plant right now in this season, there will be a harvest for you also. But if you allow yourself to get so caught up in things that you can't control, you'll never experience the harvest that God has for you. You need to grab a hold of that this morning. You need to understand that when you allow that mindset to shift, you begin to lose sight of what God really wants to do. And so this is Asaph, which he's like, God, everyone, well, everyone's wicked. And he's so focused on things he couldn't control. And when he got so focused on these things, guess what happened? He kept focusing on things he couldn't control. And he kept focusing on things he couldn't control. And he kept focusing on things he couldn't control. And it led him into a downward spiral where he just began to look at the world. And he says, you know what? Everybody's wicked. They're all bad. Nobody's good. This whole world is a wicked place. And you need to understand that one of the faith killers is when you get into a pattern in your life where you begin to focus on things you can't control. And if it's a pattern that you develop, it will kill your faith and it will steal your joy. The second thing you need to understand is this, is that you need to, you, what happens is another faith killer is this, is you stop doing the things you can control. You stop doing the things that you can control. Here's what Asaph says as it goes on in Psalm 73, verses 13 and 14. It says, surely in vain, now he's talking about his life, in vain I have kept my heart pure. Like what's the purpose, God? In vain I have kept my heart pure. 
and I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I have been afflicted. I mean, Asaph's really feel miserable about his life. All day long, he's been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishment. Like, God, what is the purpose of all this? He says, in vain, I do all of these things. And Asaph, as he's looking at the world around him, as he's focused on things he can't control, all of a sudden, he's kind of going, why do I keep doing the things that I can control? Why do I continue to do these things? And when you spend your life focusing on things you can't control, eventually you're going to get to a place, you're going to develop a pattern where you begin to say, why should I even try? Why should I even try? And you'll stop doing the things that you can control. This is what Asaph's saying, in vain, I've kept my heart pure. In vain, I feel like I'm serving God. It just brings affliction. It just brings hardship. And you'll begin to say, why should I even try? Why do I even try to love my neighbor as God has asked me to love my neighbor? Why do I even try to live a life of generosity? It all seems like it's in vain. You'll be single and you'll be looking around and you'll see everybody else that's getting married and and you'll see them having families and you'll think to yourself, why am I even keeping my purity? Why should I even continue to try? Everybody else seems like they're getting ahead and you're like, you know what? I don't even know if I want to continue to do this. Why Why do I even show up and serve? Why, Why do I continue to honor God in my life? What is the point of all of this? And if you develop a pattern where you begin to focus on things that you can't control, eventually you're going to get to a place where you stop doing the things you can control. Because you'll begin to look around at everybody else, and you'll begin to compare your life, and you'll say, why should I even try? And can I tell you something? If that's the mindset and the pattern that you developed, you will always look at someone else's life And you will always find someone who is one step ahead of you. And if your goal for doing things for God is to get ahead of someone else, then it will be an exhausting journey of faith. You'll become exhausted. It'll be overwhelming to you. If your entire focus is like, I'm just trying to get ahead of someone else, I'm trying to get somewhere further or faster than them, then your life will become so exhausting And you'll begin to live your life constantly focused on not where you are at. You'll begin to live your life on where they're at. You'll begin to live your life about getting ahead. You'll begin to begin to think to yourselves, you know, I bet all their prayers always get answered. And you'll become to this place where you'll stop doing the things that you can control. You'll stop doing the things that God has asked you to do in your life. And what happens in that moment is you begin to lose a level of faith that God has always intended for you to have. But then the Bible says this, that as Asaph is in the temple, as he's writing this song, that all of a sudden Asaph has a moment. And here's the moment that Asaph has. It's in Psalms 73, verse 16 through 17, and this changes everything. He says, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. When, when I tried to understand why the wicked are prospering, why other people seem like they're getting ahead, when, 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 I'm, when I was trying to focus and, and control things that, that I had no business in controlling, he says it troubled me deeply until verse 17, and all of a sudden everything's changed. He says, till I entered the sanctuary of God. 
He says, when everything changed is when I entered the sanctuary of God. Asaph is getting mad. Asaph is wanting to quit. Asaph is frustrated and angry. He's troubled and overwhelmed. And then he says, he says, then I entered the sanctuary of God. He says, then I went to church. And what we need to see then here is this, is that Asaph says everything changed when he entered the sanctuary of God. He says everything changed when I got into the presence of God, when I began to experience God, when I got into his holy place, when I went to church, everything changed. Can I tell you something? It's in the presence of God that everything changes in your life. It's when you experience and encounter the presence of Christ that everything begins to change. You see, there's no reason to believe that the situations he observed changed. There's no reason to believe in the scriptures that the wicked people all of a sudden now had burdens. There's no reason to believe that the wicked all of a sudden were sick and he's like, you know what? This is awesome. They're all sick and they're no longer prospering. No, the only thing that changed is that Asaph got into the presence of God And when he got into the presence of God, he changed and his perspective began to change. And we don't know what it is that changed him. Maybe it was the word that was preached. Maybe it was a moment of worship. Maybe it was a conversation he had, but the presence of God changed him and it changed his perspective. You want your faith to grow? Guess what you got to do? You got to get into the presence of God because it's the presence of God that will change your mindset. It's the presence of God that will help you to see things differently. It's the presence of God when you're eyes are blinded and you're frustrated, ready to throw in the towel, ready to quit, ready to give up on the faith that you have. God will say, it's in my presence that I'll renew those things inside of you. It's why we've got to encounter the presence of God every moment of every day and to experience all that he has for us. Would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise? That's why it's so important that we get into the presence of God. And the truth is this, is you can still come to church and sometimes miss the presence of God. That you can come to the house of God. You can come and you can worship. And you can choose to walk into this building each and every week and not engage. For some of you, maybe you choose to walk in here and you feel like it's just a check mark that you're going to mark off your list for the week so that you feel like you are good with God. That you can just get through it and, and you can check it off. Or you can choose to get into the presence of God and allow him to shift your perspective, to allow him to change your mindset, to allow him to stretch your faith, to believe for more than what you ever thought was possible in the beginning. That's why you can walk into church overwhelmed, full of burdens, discouraged, lacking peace in your life, and it's just one moment in the presence of God that can change everything. It's why it's so important that every single day of your life, not just on a Sunday morning, that you seek out his presence. It's why it's so important that every morning you wake up and say, God, I just need your presence with me today. God, I just need more of you because five minutes in the presence of God can change everything that's going to happen that day. It's the thing that gives you the faith to be able to face whatever you're going to have to go through in that day. It's his presence that makes all the difference, church. You've got to know his presence. Asa says, everything looked bleak and overwhelming until I came in to the sanctuary of God. And Asa's perspective changed. All of a sudden it was different because something changed in him. Look at it in Psalm 73 verse 18. All of a sudden he's like, surely you place them on slippery, slippery ground. 
He's like, you know what? I can't control these things anymore. So God, you're in control. You are the one that's going to place them where you want to place them. If you want to cast them down to ruin, God, that's your business. I can't control it. It's not my concern. But in his presence, his perspective began to shift. And so let me give you two faith builders this morning. Two things that we can do not to kill our faith. If you, just could, if you focus on things you can't control and you stop doing the things you can control, it will kill your faith. But there are some things that we can do to build our faith. faith. The first is this, is you've got to stay self-aware. You've got to stay self-aware. Stay self-aware. Here's what he says in Psalm 73, verse 21 and 22. He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, Like Asaph is recognizing some things about himself in the presence of God. He's like, my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered. I was senseless and arrogant. I was a brute beast before you. Look at this picture, he says. He goes, man, I I was messed up. Like there was things, my heart was grieved, my spirit is embittered. I was senseless and I was arrogant. But then he got into the sanctuary of God and the light of God shone on him. And when the light shines on you, it should begin to show you some things about your own heart and your own spirit. And when the light of God shined on Asaph, guess what? He's like, my heart is embittered. My, there's a weight on me. I am arrogant and senseless in the decisions and the way that I'm seeing life. You see, we need a high level of self-awareness. We need a high level of self-awareness. And the truth is, is most people... Don't live with self-awareness. They don't live with self-awareness. They don't understand this about themselves. Why? I believe it's because of our duplicity. I believe it's because we put on so many different faces in so many different situations that we're not even self-aware of who we are anymore. Like you walk into the church and there's one face. And then you're with your family and your friends and there's another face. And then you go to work and there's a, another face. And, and what happens is there's so much duplicity in your life that it's exhausting and it's overwhelming. And you aren't even aware of who you are anymore. And when we aren't self-aware, we don't really know the condition of our heart in the first place. Like, let me ask you a question. When life bumps up against you, what comes out? Think about that for a moment. When there's some hardship, when there's things that don't go the way that you hope they would go, when life bumps up against you, what is it that comes out of your life? That when life bumps up against you, is it bitterness that comes out? When life bumps up against you, is it anger that boils out? And what people often say is like anger comes out or bitterness comes out. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, that's not me. I don't know where that came from. That, that, that's not me. But the truth is, it, it is you. That's your character. That when life bumps up against you, what comes out is really who you are on the inside. Like it's some self-awareness that we need. Like if I took a glass of water and I bumped up against the water, the water's going to come out from where? The top. Because whatever, when life bumps up against you, whatever comes out from the top, that's what's inside of you. That's who you really are. And we need some self-awareness. And this is what he's doing. Asaph's like, my heart was grieved. I was arrogant. I I was like, I was prideful. Who are you? What what is the self-awareness that God needs to show you? That maybe for some of you, you're like, you know what? I'm angry. 
And when life bumps up against me, I'm, I'm still angry. Maybe someone hurts you and, and there was a hurtful situation that you walked through and you're like, you know what? There's bitterness on the inside of you and when life bumps up against you, that bitterness begins to flow out. That's a self-awareness that we need to say, you know what? There's something going on in my heart and what's going on in my heart needs to be uprooted and some things need to be taken out on the inside of me so that I can be everything that God wants me to be. That's self-awareness. That's knowing who you are. You see, you can control your self-awareness. You determine your spirit. You determine what comes out of your spirit. You have that choice. You determine that. I look at my boys, and, and when they go to school every day, you know, I pray things like this, God, help them to have a great day. Because they get to choose what kind of day they're going to have. They get to be the person that decides what's coming out of their spirit. And you get to choose what's coming out of your spirit. You can choose to be bitter. You can choose to be angry. You can choose to be mad. Or you can allow a sweet spirit to develop inside of you. You choose what you allow in your spirit. You can choose to not allow negativity into your spirit. I know there's some people and they're like, well, you know, this is just what life's thrown my way. I'm just negative all the time. No, you chose to be negative. You choose that spirit, and you can choose to say, you know what? I'm not going to be allowed negativity to be the thing that comes out of my spirit because I'm self-aware. You choose whether or not you're going to hang on to that bitterness. You choose whether or not you're going to allow bitterness to take root in your life and to begin to affect everything else that goes on around you. You can choose to not allow anger to overflow out of your life. It's your spirit. You determine what's going on. But we have to be very self-aware of what's happening in our heart and in our life. And when we begin to be self-aware, then all of a sudden you can begin to say, you know, there's some things that aren't right in me, and I need God to do a work in me to pull out some roots. Can I tell you something? I guarantee you, you have some roots that need to be pulled out. There's some things that you probably need to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work on the inside of you so that your faith can begin to grow and stretch a little bit further than it's ever been stretched before. I also believe you can't stay self-aware by yourself, that you need people around you to help you stay self-aware. That's why we talk about small groups around here and getting in community and being around other people because when you have good relationships, when you have deep relationships, some people will help you be self-aware. They'll be like, you're being bitter. That's negativity. You got anger issues. And they'll help you see some things on the inside of you that all of a sudden, if you'll be aware of those things and you allow people to speak into your life, you'll go, ooh, I don't like that about myself. And instead of just trying to cover it up, I'm going to deal with the roots so that something new can be birthed inside of me. And so one of the things that begins to build our faith is when we become self-aware. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is you can write this down, is we need to stay God-aware. We need to stay God-aware. Not only do you need to be self-aware, you need to stay God-aware. And Asaph gets to this point in Psalm 73. He says it this way. He says, yet I am always with you. Look at this change in tone. You hold me by my right hand, God. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. He goes on and he says that this, whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. And Asaph became very aware 
of who God is. You see, I know it sounds crazy that we can lose an awareness of who God is, that we can lose an awareness of the power and the might of who God is. But if you spend your life focusing on things you can't control and you stop doing the things that you can control, then you don't have your eyes fixed on the one who controls everything. Let me say that again. If you spend your life focusing on things you can't control and you stop doing the things that you can control, that means you don't have your eyes fixed on the one who controls everything. And that's being God aware. That God, there's things I can't control. God, there's things that I can't do on my own. But God, I'm gonna keep my eyes fixed on you. That's why in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, over and over again, God would say things like this. Remember these things. Remember this when I tell you this. Remember my faithfulness to you. Remember all of these things that I'm sharing with you. Don't forget these things in your life. I want you to remember these things. Why? Because he wants us to be aware of who God is. The reason he continues to tell us to remember is because we're forgetful people. And if we're not careful, we won't be God aware of all his power, all of his majesty, all of his might. How many forgetful people do we have in the house? How many husbands, your wife gives you a list and you forget it before you go to the market, right? Like she tells you and then you call 10 times, that's me. And God says over and over again, like I don't want you to become a forgetful person. We can't forget about the power of our God and the strength of our God. If we stay aware of the God that we serve and his power, guess what's going to naturally happen is we are going to begin to build our faith. And that in the middle of difficulties, in the middle of hardships, in the middle of looking around and maybe seeing injustice done all around us, that we have to begin to stay God aware, that we have to remember that we serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever, that the God who opened blinded eyes is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he'll be the same in your tomorrows, that the God who raised Lazarus from the dead, he is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same tomorrow. So I don't have to worry about the wicked, I don't have to worry about who's I don't have to focus on things I can't control. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead, the same God that caused Lazarus to come out is the same God that lives inside of you and he's the same God that lives inside of me. And if that God lives inside of us, we have to understand with, about, uh, with the faith in us that that same God will make a way in our present moments and our future moments because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that allows our faith to grow because we're aware of the power and the might of our God. If you know that might, would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise? And so when we live with that awareness, it will stretch our faith. So I love what Asaph said. He says, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is. He and he alone is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What's he saying? Even if God doesn't do everything I want him to do, just him alone is enough. If he doesn't do everything I want him to do, he alone is enough. Let me ask you this. What do you want more? what God can do for you or just God himself? What do you want more? What God can do for you or do you just want God himself? 
Do you want his hand? Or do you want his heart? So Asaph says, he's my portion. He's my portion. So why am I gonna worry about things that I can't control? Why am I thinking about quitting or giving up or throwing in the towel? Why am I gonna stop doing the things that I can control? Why, why am I thinking about throwing all this in? God is enough. He alone is all I need. And more than you need his hand in your life, all you need is God. And when you discover God is all you want, you will find out he is all you need. God is all I want. And I then discover that he is all I will ever need. And so I love how Asaph finishes. He says, but as for me, it is good to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. If you get in a pattern of building your faith, if you develop some faith builders, your faith is gonna begin to stretch. You'll be self-aware of who you are. You'll stay aware of the God that you serve. And in return, you'll be able to tell the world of all his good deeds. So may your faith be stretched to a level it's never been stretched to before. Stop focusing on the things you can't control. Don't stop doing the things that you can control. Stay self-aware of what's happening in your heart and in your life so that it doesn't wreck your faith. And stay God aware that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your faith will grow and stretch to a capacity that you have never experienced before. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.